0: The weather's nice, and that means festivals, concerts, and other large gatherings, but it super sucks when that awesome picture won't upload to Instagram or there's not a good enough connection when you've lost all your friends, right? How can we make sense of internet connectivity and network availability? We're getting into the technical stuff today. That's why I have my guest this week, Payman Samadhi. He is the CEO at Eno, an AI-powered connectivity platform, planning platform that helps plan new networks or test and expand existing ones. Yes, please. I cannot wait for this conversation. But first, welcome to this week's episode of Make Sense, a video podcast that simplifies complex issues at the intersection of tech and people. So whether you're totally hyped on artificial intelligence, you're ready for the robot takeover, or you want to crawl into a cave after deleting all of your social media accounts, I'm here with you, with my guests to help make sense of what's going on so you can design yourself into the future and make better choices. My name is Lindsay Tabis. I'm a product market fit strategist, innovation consultant, and venture fundraising advisor. If you're new here, smash that YouTube button, the subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's make sense of internet connectivity and network availability. Hey, Mon, it's been six months probably since we last spoke. How are you?
1: Hi, Lindsay. I'm doing very well. How are you?
0: <laughs> I'm doing well too. I'm having so much fun making mm-hmm. these Make Sense episodes. We've recorded over 20 so far this year. Oh. So just... Chugging along, um, you know, you're eight months out from completing Techstars, and that's where we got to know each other. So what are your thoughts on the experience now that there's been some time since the program ended?
1: I mean, when we joined Techstars program, we had specific goals. And uh, one was we were trying to enter a new market and come up with a new product, and one was on fundraising. And uh, Techstars really helped us in both fronts. Uh, I would say eight months after that, we were able to close around and also release our new product attractions. So it's been, uh, it was a great experience, yeah.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I'm so glad you were able to close around. It's been really, really rocky out there for a lot of startup founders, but that just goes to show that the problem you are solving is significant and i can't wait to talk mm-hmm. more about that uh, let's do our warm-up session for those of you that have been listening to make sense you know that i start with our first segment crystal ball what does the future hold this is where i call out interesting predictions made by other experts they made it for this year 2023 and the experts my guess tell us their hot take. So I'm going to pitch a prediction and Pam, I want you to say either, you know, yes, I want that to happen or that is happening or no, I don't want that to happen or no, that's not happening anytime soon. It's just gonna take a lot longer. So since many of these headlines are new to make sense, we'll take a little longer on each to talk through them, okay? All right, you ready? Yeah. And just for the audience to know, paymon does not know what these trends are. None of my guests do. He asked that maybe I would send them to him, but I would not. So <laughs> this is the fun part and why you also wanna watch it on YouTube so you can see our facial reactions. So <laughs> paymon <laughs> a really hot topic on Make Sense because I just wanna see where you stand Artificial intelligence will not replace you, but a person using it will.
1: I would say I'd like to see that happen because this is not something very new. I know you want a short answer, but it's a very interesting topic because when we had the Industrial Revolution, humans still working, but instead of working with their hands, they start working with machines. When we have digital revolution, people start working with computers rather than working with you know, hardware. And the same thing is with AI. We're going to have people who use AI to do stuff rather than coding. So I'm sure it will happen and it would be great yeah. for all of
0: us. Yeah. How does Eno leverage AI on your platform?
1: We use it in different places. So our platform creates uh, digital twins for networks. So uh, first concept, we have a a building, an infrastructure that you want to build a network for it. Uh, We receive the layout and we use image processing, image recognition, that's the first set of AI that we use. And then uh, we have clustering algorithm that says for this infrastructure, for the type of use case that we have, what would be, the type of network and how many access points and where you need to put it. And that's where we use optimization and clustering to uh, find the best and most optimal solution.
0: So if I can dumb it down, let's all imagine we are looking at a layout of a building. We have an idea where there are uh, existing networks, and the AI is going to look at that too and help us identify like places where we would wanna add new kind of sensors or access points uh, to increase or better the network performance.
1: That's in the existing solution case, but if you have a new building, uh, the AI will look at the building and tells you, oh, here you have, uh, let's say you have a warehouse here. You have your devices here. You have your sensors here. You have your IoT. Here you might have a self-driving lift truck. Yeah. So, how I need to design this network?
0: Okay. So, and then do you or whoever is using your platform, the AI makes all the suggestions, but is there still a person that is, is, accepts those suggestions, says yes, use their human brain to approve what the the robot, the AI is approving? Correct
1: exactly yeah we don't yeah. want to uh, we want that that the person who's an expert use their time on things that really matters rather than things that are very uh you know needs a labor so we automate a lot of process and then we ask the user yes or no and then they say yes we move to the next step
0: yeah so we still need that person in between mm-hmm. to kind of sign off on whatever the that AI is suggesting. Okay, cool. Artificial intelligence won't necessarily replace all of us right away, but people using it will will likely replace, replace others that are not. So it's stupid to not just jump in, but use your brain. So next prediction. There will be a race for handset manufacturers to provide their own satellite connectivity. So what I understand is rather than us relying on the like Comcast, Verizon, Cox, Spectrum, et cetera, for fi our phones and tablets like Samsung and Apple will come with direct connectivity via satellites. And this will really help us solve for particularly, you know, underserved areas, those dead spots, uh, rural areas, remote areas. Uh, is that real?
1: Yes, and it, it will going to happen. But one thing to have in mind is, uh, at the end of the day, the satellite is also a network. So someone like Verizon or Cox will manage that network. So Verizon might tomorrow start building a, a, a network of satellites to compete with Starlink, and that will happen. Uh, but the reality is that uh, cellular connectivity that we have on our phones at the moment with 5G could answer a lot of questions and has more capacity and uh, performance than that even needed the current applications. So I think that the next step that makes more sense is that our laptops have a SIM card or a like a virtual SIM card. So we don't need to connect to Wi-Fi everywhere anywhere we go. We're just connected to internet and it has better. Uh, performance, it has better reliability, it has better security, and uh, especially for enterprise users, then their user can use, you know, cellular network, their own network anywhere.
0: So are, what you're suggesting is, is, for instance, uh, I have an unlimited data plan. So many times, wherever I go, I just use my phone as the hotspot mm-hmm. for my computer instead of connecting to the coffee shop's Wi-Fi. you're saying, hey, let's just skip a step instead of making the laptop connect to the phone. Why don't we just have a SIM card that goes straight into the laptop, similar to how you can get a SIM card in your iPad or your tablet so that it can connect directly to data as well? That's what you're saying? Yes, Yes, but
1: then there's... One thing that becomes enabled there that is a bit different now, we are all connecting to this public network Uh that uh, we all are part of it. But then enterprises could make their own cellular network in different slices. So uh, when Comcast hires a new person and gives them a laptop, they could connect to the Comcast network anywhere they are on that slice that they are and uh, makes it much easier for everyone.
0: Got it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So it could be public, connect to your existing AT and T unlimited data, or it could be enterprise if you know a very large company wants to manage the amount of their you know network that's being used, and they can make it private and and put it across an area. Interesting. 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 Okay. So next trend. Similarly, 5G will close the digital divide. So regions around the country and world are still left behind due to a lack of reliable internet access. About 6% of the population in the U.S. still lacks access to sufficient speeds. This prediction says the rollout of 5G will pave the way for a new generation of internet accessibility, particularly in rural areas. Is there a reason for hope there?
1: Uh, I don't think they're very related. Uh, I think what will... They're not uh, related. Not much. 5G and the
0: remote areas, not necessarily related.
1: No, no. I think what will really fill the gap is fiber. Uh, the more we have fiber or the more we have a satellite connectivity, that's where we could really feel the digital gap that exists um, in the country.
0: Got it. Okay. So 5G in itself, not the thing, but the fiber uh, cables, right? The connections and more satellite connectivity. Okay. So going back to... Um, yeah, leveraging the satellite network. Okay, cool. Yep. I mean, I'd love to see the digital divide close in all aspects, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we'll see what it really is at the end of the day that, that helps people in rural areas. Random fact, and I'm going on an mm-hmm. aside payment, is that did you know that the Nokia, which I believe is Danish, it was a Danish That's company, Finnish, Finnish company they invented like they were part of kind of the leader in mobile phones because Mm -hmm. they guarantee phone connection to their all of their inhabitants in their country so in the in the 90s when they are trying to you know they could decide are we going to roll out phone cables all the way to these remote areas, or are we going to invent mobile phones so that mm-hmm. they have that access? So that's a random fact about the history of- you know, The improvement of mobile phones. Unfortunately, no, no. we don't have that same commitment in the US. So if you live out in the middle of nowhere, it's up to you to figure it out right now. Uh, I
1: mean, actually talking about that, I read in the news the other day that uh, governments uh, just uh, signed this uh, big budget, I think, 30 billion, if I'm not wrong, uh, to provide connectivity all across the United States. I I think this is a new initiative that recently just happened.
0: Okay, so cool. There's some optimism. We'll have to research that and bring it back up in a future Mm -hmm. Make Sense episode. All right, last prediction. Smart homes will become more innovative, but so will attempts to exploit them. So one third of U.S. consumers have smart gadgets at home, you know, Ring or Alexa, Echo, but these devices are not the paragon of security. So are you seeing a growing call for uh, these network-based approaches to security?
1: Yes, uh, I I think they will grow, but the attacks will also grow. And uh, that's actually a very interesting topic because uh, Wi-Fi does not have the best security. And that's what we usually use, but cellular networks have a lot of security. Uh, so uh, there is an argument uh, that maybe gradually things mo- go more towards cellular networks, so mm-hmm. we have more security, more control. It's more expensive, and uh, both on the device side and the network side. Uh, but uh, I think that's inevitable, and it will happen the same way that we are—you know—everything's more digital these days compared to ten years ago.
0: That's so fascinating. Um, Okay, so cellular networks are more secure than Wi-Fi networks, which then to circle back to what you said about our laptops having SIM cards and just directly connecting to cellular networks instead of going through Wi-Fi from a security point of view, that sounds like a really great idea.
1: Certainly, yeah, because that network, that seller is managed by someone like AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and it's very secure, but the Wi-Fi is managed by you at home, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not as secure. So uh, it's much easier to enter any sort of Wi-Fi yeah. network uh, compared so, to cellular.
0: Here's a question. Do you mm-hmm. have any smart IoT devices in your home?
1: Uh, No, <laughs> I don't. And uh the reason is uh that I don't have that many devices at my home anyway. <laughs> so I believe okay. it's like some, you know, kind of minimalist. And um yeah, that's that's the main reason. And um I yeah, that's that's uh, So <laughs> that's I <it.
0: laughs> I too am smart home deviceless free. As well. And that's actually been a conscientious choice because I understand that security on the edge, Uh, edge computing, you know, this idea of like all of these little Ring and Echo and Amazon, they're on the edge of your network and the data on your Wi-Fi, not really secure. As Payman just said, you're responsible for managing the security of that. So most of us don't know that don't even know that's our responsibility let alone know what we can do to to do better and so i yes have consciously besides a, an actual security system on my house i do not have smart iot devices <laughs> because of you know the the background listening and because of the potential security threat. If, if someone wants to get super innovative and hack into my my home, I don't know what they want to find. But <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: but also, I mean, those are definitely one side that's very important. But on the other side, uh, the concept of digitalization of the world, we spend a lot of time in front of digital devices every day and having the opportunity not to be close to digital devices it's very good for us uh, to get less engaged and have that kind of noise that is on our <laughs> <the> neural system. <laughs> kind of I really that
0: appreciate that. I really appreciate that because I saw some, you know, I I hate calling these memes because it's just a screenshot mm-hmm. of someone's Twitter post, but <laughs> it's not really a meme. But someone wrote, um, "I get to look at my small phone while." Paying a t- small screen while paying attention to my big screen, <laughs> aka TV, as a reward for looking at my medium screen all day, <laughs> which is your computer.
1: That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. so, very true, and it's very really, uh, it's it's really changing our attention span. If you see how uh, the, the the generation after us that they grew up with like iPads since they were six years old. Uh, now they have much less patience (laughs) towards getting information compared to our generation and then the one before us that they could sit and read a newspaper for three hours. I don't think anyone could sit and read a newspaper for three hours anymore.
0: Yeah, well, I do remember, to be fair, in the... Mm -hmm. In the 90s, when I had to do a current events homework assignment, I would always look for the absolute smallest article in the newspaper (laughs) to clip out and summarize. So (laughs) my attention span (laughs) wasn't that much better than than everyone now. All right. So that wraps up Crystal Ball. For our second segment, let's take a deep dive into the intersection of connectivity and kind of the future of work. So another prediction I came across was that by 2026, 40% of enterprises are going to double their investments in hyper-connected digital spaces to increase productivity, improve collaboration, boost energy efficiency. So. I imagine you know is going to play a role in that because you help create private networks. Uh, let's break this down for our audience. Can you help me define hyper-connected digital space? Is that just what it means? Is a space with a ton of networking and connection, connectivity power?
1: I think uh, that that term specifically. Uh, there are different ways to to to, to describe it, but uh, on one side, you have the network underneath that provides the infrastructure. But uh, usually when they talk about this hyper-connectivity, they also talk about one layer above, which is the application. And when we talk about the application, what are the different ways that people could be connected together all the time? So for example, now we have uh, video calls that makes people very connected in one level of face-to-face. We have Slack that they could chat to each other. Now we have all these um, uh, uh, VR, and uh, that you could feel that you're in a 3D space together, and then you have the metaverse that as if you're really there. So I think that's something that uh, some people are advocating for it. Uh, I personally think at some point uh, there will be a balance between the digital connection and in-person connection because it's very hard for us as a human being that for thousands of years we were in touch with each other in real, physical life suddenly in a period of five years be fully digital and uh yeah that's that's definitely something that find its right balance in the near future
0: okay why do enterprises need these spaces or and why Uh, does an enterprise need a their own private network
1: yeah so if you think about it uh five years ago versus 10 years ago versus 15 years ago Let's say when you were entering an office space, uh, even pre-COVID, like 2019, there was a Wi-Fi connection around that uh, people were using it here and there. And they had it on their phone. They had it on their laptop. And they were using it uh, for casual uses. There were some calls happening here and there. But going forward now, when you enter, everyone is on a Zoom call or a Teams call all the time. So it's very important that it has to work all the time. So right. it has become much more complex problem compared to four years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. That's on one side. And then the other side, you have all the digital devices that you're talking about around. you. So before you had, let's say, a company of 100 people. There were 100 devices that at peak, they had 20 people using it. Now there's going to be at peak 100 people using it. you can going to have your IoT devices. you can going to have your security system. You're going to have all sorts of applications around that they have to work all the time. So now enterprises need to come up with that private networking before Wi-Fi was the solution, but Wi-Fi first is not secure. Second, it doesn't have the best mobility use case, So, which it means when you're on the go, if you get your phone and start running and go mm-hmm. from one Wi-Fi access point to the other one, you have a disconnection. Right. But you could be uh, on your cellular phone and be driving 60 miles per hour and your phone works you know very well so if you think about a warehouse that introduced automation and you're going to have these lift trucks that are moving around by themselves they're going to go to the uh, outside to pick up to the loading zone coming back it can't drop that's one application the second application is the bandwidth once you want a very high bandwidth and very low latency wi-fi usually fails Right. And that's what we need, a uh, cellular network.
0: So if I i am thinking about, you know, like a we work a co-working space where pre-COVID, maybe 10 percent of the workers are on a video call at any given moment. Um, and now post-COVID in this hybrid world, we've got 80 percent of people mm-hmm. on video calls at any given moment. That's a lot more demand uh than uh before and so the networks need to be upgraded and it sounds like when you say network that's not it you say network as in like that will kind of replace wi-fi or why or the new wi-fi will be built off of it
1: when i talk about network i talk about any sort of medium for connectivity and i do believe that one network is not the solution for everything uh, we're going to have multiple networks at the same time uh, we're going to have a wi-fi for a certain application we're going to have a seller for a certain application and uh depending on the type of devices depending on the type of the use case we build built a yeah. different way
0: tell me if i'm getting this correctly okay let's take a shopping center with five storefronts mm-hmm. uh each store, let's say they're all on Verizon Fios, and each store has their own Wi-Fi network. But the reality is all five Wi-Fi networks are drawing from the same connection source, right? The Verizon line, that singular line is distributed to the five stores. So now one of the stores, their network needs are so large that being straight going through Verizon is no longer an option. So now they need to build their own network.
1: No, is that, no, that kind of what no. you're saying? No, no, no. no. That's, that's, okay, no, that, I did not that, make, sense it, so <laughs> make sense
0: of it. So how do you make sense of it?
1: Sure, so uh, the, the, the big cable that's coming from uh, basically uh, Verizon or AT&T, uh, it doesn't matter if you support Wi-Fi, cellular, everything, that big cable has to come. And big, that big cable is usually not the bottleneck because okay. those are big, fat, fiber optic pipes that they could have Huge. tens okay. of gigabytes. Yeah. So the the, the the problem is that uh, you, you have an existing Wi-Fi network and uh, you need to have a Wi-Fi network for your customers that are coming there. Uh, but you have all your payment system and you want to have uh, make sure that they're always connected. You want to make sure they're always secure. Uh, so it makes more sense to have a cellular connection for those or as a backup, you have both systems together. Uh, in the use case you were talking about, that's one of the reasons that you want to have, but let's think about the hospital. You have a hospital and you have your public network that uh, people who come there who want to be connected to it. You have your financial system that should be connected to it. Uh, then you have your uh, medical devices that are connected to it. In the near future, you might have this uh, remote precision medical devices that are very secure, and you don't want to connect everything to one network because right. it's going to stop working. So you want, need multiple networks segmented in different ways so everyone could do it. This, this use case, for example, for the hospital did not exist 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So before, if an enterprise wanted to build a network, they would just build a Wi-Fi. They put an access point everywhere. Everything was working, everyone were happy. But now it has become very complex that what devices should be in Wi-Fi? What devices should be in cellular? Where do I want a connectivity of cellular Wi-Fi? How many access points? What's the point of cost? And one thing very interesting about networks is networks are alive. When you build an infrastructure for building, some of them has been up for the past two thousand years, and they're still up and running. but uh, networks every year, two, three years you need to upgrade them. so uh, it's not that you do it and it's over. Uh, that's where the complexity is even more. You need to upgrade the
0: network. wiring is that correct? the wiring. Now you need to and add hard more
1: hard. access point you need to upgrade the technology that you use you need to upgrade the back well. Fiber optic that's coming there. So there's always more and more usage, more applications that are coming there uh, that uh, requires more bandwidth. So imagine every new iPhone that comes, the quality of that video that you see there is better than the previous one. That means you need more bandwidth. And let's say uh, people do more FaceTime together, so more bandwidth needed, and you need an upgrade up on the number.
0: This constant upgrading explains why I have so many wires in my backyard that go to nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally, like a, I, a couple of years ago, I tracked all the wires going mm-hmm. towards my house, and I went to find their endpoints. And some of them were just outside, <laughs> cut off. And so, like, yeah. there's so many wires because we keep upgrading, but no one is coming to clean the old ones. <laughs>
1: No, uh, there's this rule that says in software engineering, in any sort of engineering, when you see, a, when you see something sitting somewhere, first find who did it, ask them why they did it, then they remove it. And usually nobody knows who did it and why they did it, so the better it is to stay. Otherwise, you cut it and something stops working and you never know what happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, for some of mine, the edges were, they were already <laughs> cut. They were just <laughs> hanging outside a corner of my house and i was like okay well we can like cut it trim it out all right yeah. let's let let's get back on track here um <laughs> so you wrote an article last month on eno's blog about streamlining enterprise connectivity uh from the everyday workers perspective i think you've already given us examples um, it seems like from the workers perspective, they're just getting seamless connectivity, maybe aside from moving from one end of the floor to another end and having to switch Wi-Fi's, but what's going on underneath the hood that maybe we don't, uh, we're not seeing.
1: Yeah. So what's happening for enterprises now is that uh, the possibility of having a private cellular network did not exist previously. Because the spectrum, there was no free spectrum that everyone could use. Now we have that. And now as a IT leader in any sort of enterprise, the question comes to do I need a cellular network or no? And if I do, do I need to still keep my Wi Fi? Yes or no? Or if I need both, what's the dimension I need to have? And that's a very those are very hard questions to answer, to be answered when you're at scale, when you have you know, hundreds of buildings, when you have hundreds of uh, warehouses or manufacturing facilities or universities. And what we're trying to uh, basically help enterprises out is giving you a tool that they could create this digital twin of their environment, run different use cases and tell them that this is your current scenario. Now do a few clicks and imagine you have 5G. How your network's going to perform with your user experience how much future proof it is. Do you need to upgrade your network a year from now, three years from now? And uh, help them to that, make that decision with uh, uh, better information and much more clear for them.
0: So by creating this digital twin, this copy of their existing network, you can then take away some of the complexity that maybe they're facing by by visually showing them and simulating different improvements improvements and approaches. And uh, since you said, and I just am learning this, that the networks have to be upgraded on a very fairly regular, like sounds like two to three year basis. You can say, what's your budget? These are the improvements. If you can spend a little more, we can push off the next improvement for for, three or four years instead of two or three, something like that?
1: Correct. And there's also more than that. For example, you were talking about uh, having digital devices at home. The same thing exists in companies. Uh, Imagine uh, you want to introduce a new uh, set of sensors uh, to help you with air quality, to help you with movement of people, and you need to add 100 more sensors to your building. Uh, How's that going to be on your current network? Is it going to work? Do you need to add more? Or if you are a manufacturing facility, uh, you want to introduce new IoT devices, and there's thousands of them. Do I need to upgrade my network? Yes, no, if yes, how do I need to upgrade my network? And I'm planning in three years from now, my roadmap is to add more digital experiences. How about Mm -hmm. that? So all of those decisions could be done on the platform with just a few clicks.
0: Mm very cool who are what companies or what types of companies you don't have to tell me which companies but if someone's listening and they're like oh my uncle works at x they should know about this like what who what what's the uncle's job and what are they doing that they should know like who who are you targeting with you know
1: sure uh we have our our, uh current Segment that we're looking for and we are working with are companies that they build and manage wireless networks. They're called system integrators, managed network service providers, and these are the companies that, when uh, anyone, any enterprise wants to build a network, they go to them and our tool helps them make that decision. But we're also uh, working on directly working with the IT departments of big enterprises, about 5,000 people, and they do own. Many buildings, many physical infrastructure with an existing network and help their IT management team to make mm-hmm. it, or make informed decisions with our tool.
0: Got it. Okay. All right. What kinds of, if they're working at a large university or in the IT department of a company that has a lot of buildings and a lot of people, I guess, what would their job or job title sound like?
1: Uh, basically director of IT, head of IT, uh, anyone who's uh, related to IT infrastructure and uh, network infrastructure of the company.
0: Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, we're gonna, everyone uh, listening to Make Sense is gonna keep their mm-hmm. ear to the ground for you. So this was
1: yeah. this was
0: super, super interesting. Uh, let's go into our third and final segment. Uh, who needs a safety net? I love this with entrepreneurs. <laughs> We put a lot, we put risk a lot (laughs) every day. So in this segment, I asked my guests to share the risks, the failures, nay, the learning lessons of entrepreneurship and creating their own path into the future. Payun, I uh, asked you to uh, come up with a good story. So why don't you, why don't you share?
1: Yeah, certainly. Uh, One thing that's super interesting for me uh, as I entered this journey and I, learned it uh, step by step was that, um, you know, when you start a company, you start with an idea and uh, you think you have some good idea and you go to the market, try to validate it. That's exactly the type of service that, you know, you help everyone with and uh, come up with some sort of MVP and you try it out there and you go through iterations and iterations and iterations to find it, uh, hopefully at some point, or don't you stop or you pivot or you, you know, completely change. And one thing I personally find that when I entered this journey was that, um, whenever, uh, at each moment as an entrepreneur, you're on the path and uh, you're going to hit a wall. And that happens all the time. And uh, once you hit the wall, uh, at the early days of entrepreneurship, it sometimes takes you months to even realize you have hit the wall. Uh, You see that you're working very hard, you're working all the time and you do whatever you can and nothing's really happening. And it takes even time to realize if it is happening or not happening, because <laughs> there's not much there, there are not much metrics there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then at some point you realize, oh, I've hit the wall, it's been like two months, and mm. you realize, and then the next step after you realize that you've hit the wall is, okay, what's the next direction and where to go? And uh, this process, Always happens in the entrepreneurial world, and when someone's more, ex- is a more experienced entrepreneur, uh, the first is they understand they have hit the wall <laughs> right away, or much faster, or even one step before that they could predict, oh, this path is going to hit the wall, so let me shift and let me go towards another direction to save my energy, to save my time, and uh, this is a very. Interesting concepts in kind of good life lesson because it's kind of the same thing in our personal life as we live. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we, uh, as human beings, uh, we realize there are things that we like, there are directions that we want to go, why we do them, how we do them, and we have all these ideas in our head that you know pick a direction in life, and we go towards that. And um, after some point, we realized that, oh, this was not the right decision for me, <laughs> <You know>?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, and I'm sure it happens, I mean. 100%. I I, always,
0: I say that I've been self-employed for a decade and it's mostly been an exploration of things I don't want to do.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's mostly been that. Yeah, yeah. And it's in our personal growth as well. Like uh, as a person, you know, always want to feel well Do you want to be in a good mental health state physical health state and uh, you need to find what your body responds to what your mind responds to 100 percent. Uh, and that's that's a learning curve because sometimes you feel like oh this is the right act for me and then you realize no <laughs> it is not
0: yeah right you know um i think one of the things i thought you might say but i i think you might have said but you I think you will agree with me is that every time you come up to the moment where you're like what i'm doing is not working mm-hmm. there's a level of like fear and anxiety mm-hmm. and some regret uh mm-hmm. and, and sense of failure that you have to process through and i think as an experienced entrepreneur you process through it a lot faster than as a, a younger entrepreneur it's it sidelined it, it can sideline you because it it takes a few times to really own that failures are learning lessons not destructive indicators of your poor character and miserly future you know like (laughs) and and so i thought that was like one thing you were going to go towards is like yeah like you they're uh they shake you up a little like or the time that they shake you up i think there's always going to be like uh oh shit i worked on this for a little too long why didn't i see the red flags why didn't i see it and then you're like on to the next. And we want that time to be as short, short as possible. Uh, And that just comes with experience and understanding that really the road to success is, is this saying like a road to success is a series of failures, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. Uh, I have this other quote that I saw uh, on Reddit, uh, subreddit, get motivated, where it's basically saying boring progress makes for exceptional results. Right. We work for so long and we don't necessarily see the progress um, until one day it manifests as something a lot bigger than we could have ever imagined uh, in front of us. So uh, what did you what would you say is your time to recover now when you realize Uh, you've made a mistake
1: when you were talking about that? uh, uh, Actually, something came to my mind, some memories there and. there are a couple of things that that really helps uh when you start your entrepreneurial journey it's very hard to identify yourself beyond what you do basically what you do is who you are and that's that's a very dangerous (laughs) state of being to be so what i learned through time is i exist as a human being who i am my values uh uh, my worth uh, is not really related to uh, what I do, even if I become the most successful entrepreneur, if I fail everything for the rest of my life, my values human being, stays the same. And uh, that really helps this, this association of you and what you do makes it much easier, because then you become this more of an observer of the things that happens around your life. And you try to make the right decision, you're not emotional about it. And uh, talking about the recovery, I Answer a little bit differently. Uh, the very first time I pitched uh, the company to an investor, and uh, you know, some investors are very harsh to respond. Uh, he was so harsh; he told me like this idea will never work. This is awful. Waste your time and everything. And I was down for a week, you know, after he told me that. And uh, now, when I get a rejection from an investor, it's usually five seconds. <laughs> like I'll talk yeah. to the next one. You know, so it's uh, it's something you learn that, uh, that people they have ideas and don't take anything personally. You know, they say something and get it in and just move on and you know, go for the for the next thing.
0: 100 percent. I always when I am coaching startup founders and you may have heard me say this, maybe not, but um, when processing feedback. If one person says it, it's an opinion. If two people say it, it's a coincidence. And if three people say it, it's a theme that you can act on. So Mm -hmm. while when one person can say something and it can sting, one way to speed up your recovery from that sting is to just say, that's just one person, right? That's just one person. Um, and, and so I, I love that, that example, right. Cause I similarly, some people poo poo on an idea (laughs) and it makes me question my entire existence, uh, (laughs) younger Lindsay, but (laughs) now it's like, uh, well, that's just one person and, and if they're not my target customer or my target investor or whatever, like I can just put that aside. So I really appreciate that learning lesson. I also really appreciate having you, uh, let's make sense of the future of internet connectivity and network availability. Here's some things I learned from you, Paimon, uh, all right. One networks need constant upgrades and maintenance. And that's why there are so many wires in my backyard, uh, <laughs> more uh, we're going to see more and more, you know, cellular networks, uh, cellular networks, while more expensive, are safer than Wi-Fi. And for the everyday human being that knows how to work your router, you are responsible for the security of your home Wi-Fi. So, uh, Take some time, maybe change the password or or review that you know how to connect to it, et cetera. Make sure that uh, you are taking care of your personal data security in your home. Did I get all of that right? Yes, yes.
1: Yeah, and, uh, and the, 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 yeah, 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 certainly. And then the secu- one thing that one, one, one starting trend I've seen is that Uh, There are more managed services for home users that are coming when you enter a new big building, it comes with Wi-Fi. So you're not responsible like before that you had to call Verizon get your router installed and everything. So it is improving. But still, if you put your router somewhere that someone could just pick it up, (laughs) then they have access to everything.
0: Yeah. Right. If they know how to hack it. Right. (laughs) Okay. So thank you all for listening to Make Sense with me, your host, Lindsay Tapus, and guest, Peyman Samadi. We hope you enjoyed our take on networks and connectivity. Peyman, where can people find you online?
1: Uh, so our company's website is eno.ai, uh, E-I-N-O.ai, and uh, they can contact us from there and uh, yeah. Awesome, send me a
0: awesome. And you've got a blog with some really interesting articles going on and we will all pay attention to our uncle the next time he starts talking about IT network stuff because he might be someone, you know, can help. So final note, if you want to continue to be the smartest person in the room, make sure you're getting notified when each episode hits on YouTube. Smash that subscribe for next week's episode and for audio only follow wherever you get your podcast. Thank you, Payman, for joining me.
1: Thanks, Lindsay. Good seeing you.